You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. We encountered the malware during research for customer purposes, and as we started to investigate what is this new malware and what is going on here, that's Yonatan Stream Amit. He's CTO and co-founder at Cyber Reason. The research we're discussing today is titled Back to the Future, Inside the Kimsuki KGH Spyware Suite. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. We uncovered that A, it was part of the likely associated with Kimsuki, so it's likely their activity, and B, uh, represents a, a new technology, a new block of intelligence built by the Kimsuki team. Well, let's go through the research together. Can you start off by giving us a little of the background here? What's, uh, what's some of the history when it comes to uh, the Kimsuki group? Absolutely. Kimsuki is a fascinating group, uh, often considered to be officially working for the North Korean government or at the very least affiliated with them. Their purpose is uh, clearly political. They're historically been targeting mostly actors, mostly targets within the peninsula, talking about uh, everything from think tanks and South Korean officials and, and similar groups relating to the South Korea-North Korea relationship. So as we're tracking them over the last couple of years, we're seeing uh, the Kimsuki group transition from what originally was a very localized within the peninsula looking at political targets, whether these are 
human rights activists or think tanks or suffering institutions for defense analysis and education. And we've seen them expanding their reach towards new targets that are serving political goals for the North Korean government, everything from the uh, global think tanks, uh, human rights organization, and uh, government research institutes, journalists have covered the area, and, and recently also companies working on COVID-19 and COVID-related research. Well, one of the things that you point out here in your research is uh, the complexity of their infrastructure. Can you give us a, a description of what's going on when it comes to that aspect? Kimsuki is adopting a relatively complex modern infrastructure, everything from creating of uh, fake websites across various entities, using compromised assets that have legitimate history, compromising them, using them as, as jump boxes and command and control centers, infrastructure from a code perspective, uh, software that they developed that is able to become uh, very complex and mature spy kits, what's known in the industry as RAT, remote access toolkits, which basically give the, the operators of those tools complete control of every machine they're, they're, they're hitting. So it starts with a phishing campaign, most often um, delivered as a form of document, an attachment to, a, to an email talking about uh, political changes in the area or you know, groups or talks in the area or, or this particular case, relationship with Japan and the Japanese prime minister, hoping that victims will end up executing that document and exploiting the vulnerabilities inside to then take over their machines and start collecting data from their environments. They are using infrastructure that is dedicated and, and has been re- registered as recently as early 20, 2020. So it's a very active campaign and using various techniques to try to hide and evade their detection across the, the assets that they may have access to. Now, one of the things that you, you speak of here in your research is um, the way that they uh, use anti-forensics. You mentioned backdating or time stomping is, is how you refer to it. Can you take us through some of that? Absolutely. One of the tricks they did here, which was interesting, is backdating the software or time stomping the software. So it appears to have been created many years ago, 2016, 2015 in that area. The motivation for that is often to confuse researchers when they try to look at the sea of information that they have available for them and trying to to, we, you know, to, to tell apart the wheat from the chaff and understanding what's worthwhile. A lot of time, if something has been known and existing for a long time, it's very likely it does not exhibit new behaviors. This trick about time stomping is really their attempt to evade the researcher's attention, thinking, oh, this is old and established. We don't need reason to read that. However, when you start decomposing the other assets, whether it's code or, or um, servers on the internet or new domains that they use for communication, you quickly realize that all of them are relatively recent. Late 2019 to the past couple of months in 2020, you realize this is just an attempt to throw people out of the out of their scent and not the, the, the real creation of this malware. Hmm. Now, they're using a malware suite that uh, is called uh, KGH. What's going on with that? So I don't have any interesting insight on the name itself. The, the string KGH comes from within the, the malware itself. So somebody in their build environment used the word KGH there. We do see, due to some operational mistakes on their end, that they have leaked a bit of information on, on how they're doing. So the project that was used to build this is called KGH. We know that. Because the malware itself, the, the authors of the malware left some clues accidentally, most likely, in the malware that was compiled within a spy framework 
And this is a KGA browser exploitation toolkit. It's a, a part of a, a known toolkit for them. The word KGH has been known and associated by North Korean and Kimsuki group in the past, all the way from 2017 research by OnLab, which is a, a great uh, uh, South Korean-centered research entity and, and mm. vendor. It's very likely that they've made similar mistake of leaking that information on KGH multiple times. And they're making use of uh, Word documents as well? Absolutely. One of the critical ways they deliver the malware is by sending a fish, phishing emails to, to their targets. The phishing emails have subjects such as interview with a North Korean defector. This would have a, a relatively high activation rate uh, when they send it to, to various South Korean targets as well as think tank globally. Uh, if you had received an email, if, this, if the North Korean, uh, South Korean relationship would have been something that you deeply care about, the think tank in the area, and you had received an email of, a, of kind of a boutique interview, you are more likely to open this. So the psychological element of this attack are targeting with phishing content that is generated towards those targets. For example, for other targets, they used the interview with the uh, you know, prime minister of Japan and as a way to encourage people to open this data. Well, take me through the various uh, functionalities that uh, that they're installing here, the, the bits of software. I mean, there's a lot, lot of different things that are in play here. Absolutely. The, the KGH spy and the Kimsuki kit we discovered here is a previously unknown kit that gives the operator... Uh, basically unfettered control of your environment. It starts with many many of anti-malware evasion, so to get to execute what's known as a fileless malware, so it doesn't actually have to drop multiple items on the disk, and evasively execute its, its code on the machine. Once it's running, it is establishing connection back to the operator on the command and control channels uh, to various, um, through various assets on the internet that they have already, you know, ahead of time taken control of and gives the operators control of the environment. That could be things like recording audio. That could be things like stealing information from your browser, uh, credentials, software. It includes recording your keys. As you, as you type, you know, you type passwords or addresses, they can steal those information, taking screenshots, installing your software, and basically really doing anything as if they were physically sitting in the computer right now on their own. Now, another thing that you all have uh, tracked here is a new downloader that, that you all have named uh, CSPY, I believe? Yes. So CSPY, again, is able to... It's part of a modular approach to malware, malware authoring. What they send initially isn't the full malware. They only send a small beacon whose purpose is, once executed, is to reach out through the internet and download the rest. The purpose of this has always been about smaller delivery and evasion, if this data is not executed, nothing is lost for them. But once it's executed, it starts a cascading effect of downloading more and more content from the internet in order to give their, the operators of this malware more control. This is a common technique by malware author, but shows a level of sophistication in building uh, new detection capabilities and sorry, new deployment capabilities for them. It's kind of the way in which a, you can equate that to a software vendor writing for you as a very small installer, as a beacon, but then goes back and, and understands and downloads the rest of the payload. And CSPY itself has some anti-analysis techniques built into it. CSPY itself has a few uh, built-in uh, built technology, uh, evasion techniques into it, indeed. It starts by actually using a signed certificate 
This appears to be a signed software. Signed signatures use a lot of time in the industry to verify, uh, to verify authenticity of software. However, in this particular case, is the certificate they used is by, uh, of course, a different company called EGIS, which, of course, did not do any, have anything to do with the, with the malware itself. It was simply stolen from them and then used to sign, uh, to sign the malware as executed. It ha- the certificate itself has been revoked, which means it is known globally that this is stolen and is no longer should be trusted. However, many systems are not able to, to correctly qualify and classify stolen, stolen signatures as being fake. And that's one of the evasion techniques that it's using. The second is about the usual packing, hiding of uh, data, checking whether it's running on a virtual machine to SWOT analysis, checking whether the, the memory looks as though it's a running within a testing environment used by researchers. This content of the malware itself is encrypted. So the software, the CSPI software itself, decrypts itself as it's executing. So the cursory look by anybody but a very experienced reverse engineer is unable to find uh, all of this. And any trace of this is being malicious. All of these tricks are targeted towards both automated and automated analysis, thwarting automated analysis, but also making it very difficult for researchers that take them downloaded to really understand what's going on there. So what are what are the take-homes for you? What are the things of note that people need to be aware of when it comes to Kimsuki? We're seeing Kimsuki as a, a very active group, currently working really towards political agendas within the uh, for the North Korean government. The operation that they execute are meant to further what is right now top of mind for the leaders, the political leadership in the area. Unlike other North Korean groups who often dabble with, with financial-related activities in order to fund some operation, Kimsuki is purely an, looks to be purely an intelligence operation. And as such, they are very capable. They're increasing their sophistication, their abilities. They're overly re- like they're they are still relying on the you know tried and true methods of uh, entering through phishing and entering through uh, user mistakes to get access for it. And, and therefore, the first thing, of course, is to remember basic IT hygiene and training around what do you open and, and kind of not falling prey into all of those traps. The other, of course, are adopting a modern endpoint prevention, endpoint security style that can able to find, detect, and break the Komsuki atta- attack, attack tools and be vigilant. Our thanks to Yonatan Stream Amit for joining us. The research is titled Back to the Future Inside the Kimsuki KGH Spyware Suite. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond. 
Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.